Risk and money management. Besides the psychological aspect of investing, this is the other huge part investors often get wrong. When it comes to the financial markets, risk management can either make or break your ultimate wealth. You have tuned in to Debt-Free Wealth Radio with Trudy Beerman. Thank you for taking us along with you as you're listening in on your mobile phone, on the web, or through our syndicated outlets. Welcome. I invite you to come on board as we explore all things money to move Christian breadwinners to earn more from what they already do, acquire the upgrades to the things they enjoy now, empowering them to become profitable stewards who have debt-free wealth and embrace the Bible as a practical, relevant guide to success. Today's topic is Portfolio Mix, the Fundamentals of Risk and Money Management. The trend is your friend. Charts, breaking news, financial data, fundamentals, the bulls and the bears. Do you feel overwhelmed sometimes with all the information out there? How do you make profitable financial decisions with all the money noise out there? And after the disaster of the recession, more people have taken the chance of being in control of their money and taken it away from brokers. More importantly, Christians who suffered a financial setback may be questioning the abundance of God and whether or not wealth is actually okay for us or if that is just an Old Testament experience. Sean Hyman, a friend of mine and a great Christian man, he's also the editor of Money News and the Ultimate Wealth Report. He's a regular guest on many national news stations. And he's, today he's going to weigh in on how to build wealth from home through investment strategies and he's also he also created the Biblical Money Code, which he stumbled on to help him create wealth for many of the clients that he serves. He's also a regular guest here on Debt Free Wealth Radio. Sean, welcome, welcome. I'm so honored to have you here as a guest. Oops. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, got there we go. Sean, just saying so glad to have you here as a guest. I wasn't sure if you clipped out at that point. Okay. So so we've been talking, Sean, through a series of shows, a series of topics that any financial market investor would benefit from, whether they're new at the game or they've been playing it for a while. So just to recap for the audience, some of the topics we've already looked at are fundamentally speaking. It was pretty much about profitable stewardship tithing, the, you know, and then the blessings from that overflow. And just as outlined in the parable of the talents, we want to invest that overflow for multiplication and expansion of the kingdom. Then we talked about option trading, demystified, the basics, strategy, and the transfer of wealth. And in that show, we introduced an overview of Sean's simple, six simple investing strategies. The next show we did was fear versus greed, investing and emotion, keeping your decision process guarded. And in that show, we discussed the two most impacting emotions on the investing process. Now, these shows are still available in the Debt-Free Wealth Show archive for now. I strongly suggest, if you're listening, that you look for these shows in the archive and listen to them while you can for free because 
If Sean and I decide to package this content in any on upcoming online course, then we will remove this series from the playlist here on Debt Free Wealth Radio. However you found this show today, there will be a link to the past shows that I just mentioned. Uh, the past shows that I just mentioned uh, in the in the show list. Now I just need to get rid of this one thing. Okay. Yes. So sorry about that. Okay. So as a reminder, guys, today's topic that Sean and I are going to be discussing is portfolio mix: the fundamentals of risk and money management. I'm just going to admit right here. This was one area that I failed miserably in before I decided to follow Sean's newsletter. Now, there is an investing principle out there called planning the trade and trading the plan. But in the past, I would plan my trade and then somewhere along the line abandon it. Why? Because of what we discussed earlier, fair or greed. And the newsletter that Sean puts out has totally calmed that itch for me because now I've decided to just follow Sean's alert and just take my thinking process out of it. Now, that works for me, guys, and I strongly encourage you to come up with your own strategy because it really is wise for you to follow the markets yourself, make your own investing selections, and your own exit and entry strategies. However, I'm just telling you my experience and the value that I found in Sean's newsletter because the investment trading game can be an emotional roller coaster. And while I learned the skills that the flat out A plus B type of skills, I was not a master of my emotions, and I did let them get in the way. But because I've come to trust Sean over time, it was simple for me to decide to remove my emotions completely and follow his alerts. But that's, that's just me. That's me speaking. Now, I'm going to encourage you to get Sean's newsletter, and we'll tell you how a little bit later in the show, so that you can get his alerts. But he, he doesn't just give alerts, guys. He also gives the whole thinking behind it, the education, the reasoning, why he did why he selected the basket of companies, why he recommends which exit, which, uh, and he puts videos. He's, he's really thorough in putting that together. So, Sean, know that I have vomited out my stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> ah, in the Fear and Greed show, I think we touched a lot on that trading the plan thing, sticking to the plan and keeping the emotions under control. So today, I'm going to kind of just turn it over to you because we're really in, I'm in deep, deep water here. This is not my area at all. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, the focus is more on planning the trade, especially on the risk management aspect of planning the trade. Maybe later we'll talk more about the actual trade plan, but right now we're going to focus in on the risk management aspect of planning the trade. Now, you and I had a conversation earlier, and uh, you had mentioned this whole idea that in addition to the, aspect, the psychological aspect, that this whole thing of risk management was another huge area that investors got wrong. Please, expand on that for us. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's a, only a few areas of the market that you can control. You know, One is the, the, the valuation that you choose to buy any asset at, and that's in your control. Um, so you choose your buy point, and then you choose the psychology. In other words, how you're going to think about uh, the investment and the confidence that you're going to have in the investment, and that's what we talked about on one of the last shows. And then, the, you know, one of the third things is is risk management. So some people say money management, risk management, but it's how you manage your risk and in your and your money throughout the investment. And so that's one of the big ones. And you know, for starters, some people get the whole risk and money management thing wrong because they start off very aggressive. And by that I mean, 
like a lot of people will go, well, I don't have $10,000 to start a stock portfolio. I just got this $200 here to start. So it's not much. So since I don't have much, I'm going to start trading options or I'm going to start trading Forex or something like that. And, you know, I would encourage somebody not to think that way. I mean, even, I'm, I'm for options. I'm for Forex. I've been a, a trader of both. I've written a book on options. But but it's not the best place to start. And that type of thinking is kind of like saying, well, I don't have much money to save for my retirement, so therefore I'm going to take this little bit of money I've got, and I'm going to go down and buy lottery tickets with it, and maybe I'll hit it big. And so that's that type of mentality that people can get with their investing as well. So you know, I would encourage people to first own a portfolio of stocks or mutual funds uh, before going on to more advanced, more risky instruments like options or, or Forex. That's the first way to manage risk. Um, you know, another way is is simply you know, the reason why I can have confidence in the trade, and 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 not uh, divert from it is because I know the the quality of the company. So, you know, one of your biggest ways some people say, how does an investor manage risk? Because the trader uses stop losses. What does an investor use? Well, an investor looks at how deep the company's pockets are. You know, how much cash they have on their books. You know, do they make money or not make money? And that may sound silly. But there's a lot of people that invest in, you know, hot top, hot stocks that are hot stock tips that that don't make any money. Um, and then there's and then the, the valuation, buying at a low PE. So, you know, if you think about it, if if you were if you were to say if you were to just take two people, so take the markets out of it. If you were just to take two people and you were able to analyze their finances, and you you knew three things about them, you knew their, you knew how much money they had in the bank, you knew their income, and you knew what how much they had in debt. And, you know, one person hardly has any money uh, in the bank. They're racked with debt, and, and they make a so-so income. The other person has – they're just flush with cash. They've just got, you know, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash uh, in the bank, and they have very little debt, um, and they make, you know, quite a bit of income. Now, when we go through the next recession, you know, which one of those uh, people is likely to make it through it the best and which one – is uh, likely to, you know, one of the biggest risk of going belly up, going bankrupt. Well, of course, it's the first one, not the not the second one, and so it is with companies. So it's not, it's not a, it's not a gamble. Uh, it's not a, you know, let's roll the dice um, type of thing. When somebody knows the actual uh, underpinnings of a company, and they know how deep its pockets are, uh, if you or if you'll pick companies that have deep pockets, low debt, uh, a great amount of earnings then the risk of that company going under is very, very low. And so when you know that, you can have confidence in, in investing in it. And then it's just a matter of buying it at a low valuation. So you buy a low PE stock, meaning buy the stock uh, price low relative to its earnings. So, And if that sounds kind of Greek and like a foreign language and anything like that, that, that's what I'm here for. That's what I write the newsletter for. And I take all that all that complicated speak and break it down into plain English and uh, with you know charts and graphs and and uh, and simple explanations of things, and then follow those investments along each week in the weekly uh, newsletter. So those are some of the initial ways that uh, that somebody can uh, can you know reduce their risks. Uh, and as you were talking, um, you talked about you know quick stock tips. I remember when Facebook <laughs> just went on the market. Everybody just, you know, just ran straight into it and had a huge loss shortly after. So talk about a hot stock tip. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Yeah, it, it was one. Yeah, it was one that it seemed like everybody and their mama wanted to get into, and they they didn't make any money. They weren't expected to make any money for a little bit. The valuation was going to be way uh, too high, and and 
uh, Zuckerberg, when he first started, I mean, he still had like a kid mentality. He didn't have like a business owner's mentality to that to that company. Now you can tell he's gotten a lot of coaching and a lot of um, people around him that have helped mature his thinking in a fairly short amount of time. And now he doesn't just think about you know a, a nice toy basically that that you know a billion eyeballs can reach but basically not only that but also something where he can see it as a business and make money and so you know so I was very very negative on Facebook in the early days and uh, I've only more recently become more positive on it because their their financials are changing they're earning money um they're they're one of the few ones that are doing really good in social media and uh and his mentality has totally changed so, but those are things that help you, you know, again, manage manage risk, knowing how the heads of the companies think, even. Well, actually, let me jump to. Uh, I had a couple, uh, some posts uh, in social media that kind of brought this issue up, and there was one in particular. Now you just mentioned uh, what you just said. This person says. Um, don't care what they do. The answers are in the chart because the chart tells the story and projects the future. And and then there's another piece to it, which I'll bring up later. So you just talked about Facebook from an aspect of, you know, it seemed like a hot tip in the beginning, but when you looked at the company itself, you didn't see what you needed to see from a risk management point of view to go in. But later, that has changed because the whole nature of the company has changed. The nature of the leadership has changed. Now you're more positive on the company. That doesn't sound like too much chart reading in that decision, Sean. Speak to that chart issue for me. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm 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 for charts and I read charts and use indicators and things like that. But the premise of all my investing starts with – uh, the fundamentals of the company, because at the end of the day, that's what you're really buy, buying. When you're buying shares of a company, you're buying their their earnings power. You know, you're you're buying the vision of the company. You're buying the competency of the management. You're buying all that, and so that's that's what you really own. Um, and so, the more you know about that, the more confidence you'll have in it. So, when I was strictly a technician and reading charts, um, if if something didn't go my way on the chart fairly quickly. Uh, I would be more quick to bail because, again, I couldn't tell you what industry they were in, uh, whether they made money or didn't make money. I couldn't tell you if their stock price was high relative to their earnings or not. I couldn't tell you how much debt they had. I couldn't tell you anything, you know. And so it was it was all on the chart. So, you know, I'm I'm not necessarily a big believer that everything that you need to know is in the chart because the psychological side of the stuff that you need to know is not in the chart. And it's it's when you when you can wrap your mind around. Uh, you know, if a company has billions of dollars in cash on the books and they have low debt relative to their to their uh, market cap, and they're a low PE stock, then that's you know that, that's a uh, a great company to uh, you know to take a look into. So, uh, and, but conversely, I mean, there might be a popular stock that's hitting the the headlines and and people are talking about it on CNBC, but if I pull it up and I see that they've got just you know, a few million uh, dollars of cash on the books, which may sound like a lot of money to us as individuals, but as a business, that's like change on our dresser drawer, um, then I'm going to be very squeamish about it. And if I'm not going to put my hard-earned money into that company, nor will I have a lot of faith in it, even if the chart is going up. So um, I, I've got to have stuff that, yes, it can look right on the chart, and I'm all for that, but it's it's the underlying fundamentals of that company have to be sound or else I'm not going to touch it, and I'm not going to have the confidence to touch it. 
It's like a catch-22, huh? Um, well, <laughs> it's like a catch-22. They have to prove themselves. Um, now, you said something, and oh, my gosh, it just slipped me. What was I going to ask you on? Oh, okay. Um, oh, it's gone again. Let me go to the next question, and it'll probably come back to me. Uh, an, another thing that came up in the post, that I wanted you to speak on. This person said, hey, here's something that may interest you, a specky stock in Australia, and then they gave information about the stock. Um, from a risk management point of view, what do you say to investing out, you know, in, in something like this? Well, I mean, you know, for me, I just don't, like, you can only follow so many stocks in so many places. And, I mean, just here in the U.S. alone, you know, there's just tens of thousands of stocks that, that one could follow. And a lot of those biggest companies invest and have operations globally anywhere. anyway. So a lot of the companies that I'm in, that even though they're U.S.-based companies, yeah, they may have, they may have um, uh, you know, uh, plants in in you know Europe or Japan or Australia, they may do business in those places. They may even deal in those, uh, earn some of their earnings in those foreign currencies. So, I'm all for global companies and and companies that have a, a big presence. But, you know, for me to just go to the Aussie exchanges in Australia, um, you know, it's, it, you start your learning curve all over again. So for me as an American, I'm you know I'm not really going to. To do that, and then you also always have to deal with exchange rates as well. So you have to convert your dollars to Aussie dollars, and you know to, to trade directly on those exchanges. And that that exchange rate could be going against you long term. That exchange rate has gone very much against us as their currency is appreciated against ours. So you would have an erosion of your purchasing power just in that facet alone. So I would rather invest in a big U.S. company that uh, that has operations there, or uh, even an, a, a huge Aussie company, some of your biggest companies around the world will also trade on the New York Stock Exchange. And so I'll just buy the shares that trade on the New York Stock Exchange, and then I'm fine. And I don't have to worry about any of the currency exchange issues either. Okay. I, so I just want to just kind of just pull something out of that. You're saying whether or not that was a really good stock tip because it's outside of the country, if you even did earn money on it, you might lose some of that profit just in the in the uh, currency exchange. Did I get that right? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Because okay. as a as a U.S. citizen, you know, we, in, here in the U.S., we've got U.S. dollars, and if we were to trade on their exchanges, they don't trade their stocks in U.S. dollars; they trade them in Aussie dollars. So we would have to convert those U.S. dollars to uh, to Aussie dollars, um, and there will be an exchange rate. And a differential that that will have to be paid as well. So there's a cost to to trading the money because they've got these banks want to make a a fee a profit off of exchanging the money for you, and that's what they do. And they make that profit in exchange for taking a little bit of currency risk in in doing that. But also, the dollar over long periods of time has continued to go down as the Aussie dollar and many foreign currencies have gone up against it. So you've always got that. Um, that wind blowing in your face, so to speak, that 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 hinders you, uh, hinders your success with that dollar erosion and foreign currencies uh, growing over time. So there's just there's several things that you can just avoid a lot of pitfalls just by staying with some of the biggest companies in the U.S. That again have global presences, have a lot of their growth overseas, they're earning a lot of their money in foreign currencies uh, overseas, and then converting that back to their U.S. dollar books. And again, that doesn't cost you. That's 
you know, exchanges that the company itself is doing. And you can benefit from all of those and, you know, trade a company that trades right here in the United States on U.S. exchanges. You know, something just occurred to me that we kind of started this thing backwards in the sense that defining risk. We're talking about risk management. We haven't defined risk, what risk and risk management is. So for especially if there's someone new, um, you you kind of alluded to it, but can give a, a, a let's get some handles on what risk and risk management as a definition is. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, simply put, it's how far out on the limb you're willing to go. You know, a lot of people go uh, far out on the end of the limb, and then when it breaks, they're shocked. And and that you know that's why I say don't start off with um, companies that don't make money or companies that don't have deep pockets. Don't start off. Uh, don't make your first investments. You know, stock options or forex or things like that that are much more leveraged and much more uh, risky. You know, start start closer to the trunk of the tree. <laughs> start with something that is more solid. Um, you know, companies that are that are mature that have been around a long time. I mean, a lot of the companies we hold have been around. You know, 100 to 150 years. And think about how many recessions they've made it through, and even the Great Depression they made it through. And you know, time tells a lot. Uh, in a company, if you've got anything that can last, um, you know, 80, 70, 80, 100, 150 years, I mean, you've, you've really got management that you've put in place that has been competent. And, uh, you know, and as, as certain teams of management have, have uh, retired out, the, the company has had sense to put the same competency uh, in a new generation of management that has carried something, you know, 80 to 100, 150 years. So, uh, you know, so these are the things that you're you're buying. You're essentially buying a team uh, of management to 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 work for you, and uh, and you you can size up the the results that they're getting uh, by how they're managing their you know their their assets, how they're managing their earnings. Are they keeping a good bit of money in cash? Are they paying down their debts and keeping their debts low? Or, you know, it's just it's it's just that's that's the crux of you know risk and money management right there. Wow, Sean, I have a whole bunch of questions for you now. So. Um, you just said something that I just found incredible. Um, and you said you start, you don't encourage people to start off with the more risky things like forex and option trading. And I really have to say that that really makes a lot of us gun shy. And that was probably one of my mistakes. I didn't have your your guiding hand early in the game. But you know, there was something that um, Tony Robbins had uh, done the other day, which I just found absolutely brilliant, and it kind of speaks to what you talked about. He went in to train some sharpshooters, himself not even knowing how to shoot a gun. And he convinced the Army official that he could train these guys to be sharpshooters in half the time that they were doing it and get twice the return, twice the guys coming out of the program um, being excellent at what they did, and they couldn't believe him. Well, he did a run-through, and he and he absolutely accomplished what he did. And here's the strategy that he did. When they got into the range, instead of the target being at where it always is, he moved it up to be within four feet of their face. Now, obviously, they're going to hit the the, tar, the bullseye when it's four feet from your face. Having hit mm -hmm. it four feet from your face, then they got that confidence. They got the concept of what it was all about. Then they, she shifted it back to 10 feet and kept shifting it back further and further until it was where, you know, wherever these things naturally sit. And, of course, we, you know, he turned out twice the amount of guys who were sharpshooters in half the time. And that speaks to what you just said. If you start off 
with that basket of solid companies. Get your feet wet with things that are, you know, tried and true and build up your 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 technique and your strategy and your confidence and your emotional foundation, then it makes sense to test the waters deeper and deeper as you go along. So I thought it was brilliant. All right, fantastic. One of the yeah, things absolutely. I wanted and Go ahead. No, I was going to say one more thing. Another way to, to kind of visualize risk management is, is picture a triangle, you know, picture a pyramid. And, and in that triangle, um, you know, you've got the, the, the base is the widest, and, uh, and, and, and so that's where the most of your money should go. And so picture stocks being down there at the bottom of that triangle, good tried, tried and true tested stocks. And then as you work your way up to the top of the triangle, it's, it's narrow. It's, it's not much space up there at all at the top of the triangle. And that's where you would have very little money uh, involved in, in higher-risk things. So as the, as the triangle goes to its uh, peak, that's how the risk goes up. And so as the risk goes up in the instruments that you use, you put less and less money with it. But you certainly don't start at the peak. You start at the base. So you start with a good basket of good quality stocks or mutual funds. I do all individual stocks, but if somebody wants to do mutual funds, that's fine too. Um, or exchange traded funds, and then you know, as, if they want to put on more aggressive, um, you know, trades and things like that to try to um, get a, a little bit higher overall return, that's that's fine once they built out a portfolio, a diversified uh, stock portfolio. Um, but you put less and less money in those instruments. So if you trade options or forex, you should have a fraction of the money in that that you have in stocks, and it's okay to trade those as long as you've already built out. Uh, a mature, you know, stock portfolio that you've got, and you're diversified, and you have a number of positions on, and um, and start there. So picture the triangle, and I think that helps a lot of people. And I mean, this is this is solid stuff, guys, as far as risk management and and really protecting what you already have, because if you have that solid base and it's it's in, you know, it's pretty much protected, you have less exposed. And that's really the whole the point of this show here today. Um, another thing, I remembered the thing that I was forgetting earlier, something you said about companies that were here uh, 100-plus years and so forth. And, and you know what amazes me, Sean, is that there are a bunch of companies that are here today and gone tomorrow. I have a bunch of friends who even um, you know went into business with companies that were less than five years old. And, you know, as entrepreneurs, as we start up, that, that time, that seasoning that you're talking about, <laughs> the cash rates, you want those companies to be seasoned and to have that history and all that. But, you know, the time has to pass because the IRS shows that most companies fail under five years old. And I remember there was a time when you mentioned to me, you don't do startups, and this is this is the reason why. Okay, if you want to say anything to that, because I have one more question, and then I'm going to let you wrap up with whatever you want to say on that. Yeah, no, there's just there's a lot of power in uh, in a company that's been around 70 to 150 years. I mean, that obviously says they're doing something different and doing something right and preparing in other ways that other companies are not. And they've done that consistently, and they've done that for a long time. So it wasn't a fad. It wasn't them having just the one right guy in place. A company that's been going that long has been through many different CEOs, many different upper management changes, but they have certain thinking, certain parameters, certain policies in place that the company has always held within their corporate culture that, that sees them through and keeps them you know, on the straight and narrow, so to speak, 
70 to 150 years later. And there, you can put a lot of clout in in that, uh, you know, a company that's been around that long and has made it through so many recessions and even the Great Depression. Right. And that fear and greed comes back because, um, you know, the, the higher, the, the more the risk is the more they're uh, they're promising. <laughs> so that's where I think that fear and greed, that greed comes in. Ah, you know, this this conservative company maybe eight percent. This one's promising twenty something percent. Guys, don't get caught up in that crap. All right. Um, <laughs> now I know in your book, Shauna, we kind of touched on this in the one of the shows where we talked about your six. We did an overview of your six strategies, but I just want to speak to this one thing because you know we're a Christian show. And we're both Christians, and in the social media feed, someone who was speaking to this whole issue of investing, he said, um, this funny-looking for he we actually had a financial chart up, you know, the, the chart was up, and he said, this, this funny-looking for is Jupiter. Seems planet Jupiter is in a bit of control here. Um, looking at what Jupiter controls in financial astrology, Jupiter rules Sagittarius, and according to Olga Morales, Gan for astrology traders, Jupiter is associated, Jupiter's associated stocks are, and he gives a list of associated stocks. Now, I, I, this person sent me a tip, and I was like, okay, what am I supposed to do with this? Because, you know, I this doesn't, this doesn't sit well with me. So I'd like to hear your input on this whole Jupiter financial astrology thing. Well, you know, I mean, as a Christian, I don't believe in, you know, sizing up the planets to see what I need to do with my, um, you know, investing. I don't see how it's going to help me to be a good steward. But it's almost like people devise ways of making uh, stock analysis complicated. Um, because, you know, I mean, if you think about it, anybody can understand, okay, does this company have a lot of cash or does it not? Does it have a lot of debt or does it not? That tells you a lot about their financial standing and how well they're going to do. So the position of Jupiter or where it's at or where these planets are at or what they're doing, that doesn't give me any more confidence in the uh, in, the, in my investing than, than anything. But, it, but if I know they have X amount of billions of dollars in cash, that gives me some confidence. If I know their debt's very low relative to their size, that gives me confidence. If I know their valuation is cheap historically compared to you know what they normally trade at and relative to the market, that gives me a lot of confidence in its long-term outlook. That so you know those are things that that are the way that you can get an edge uh, in your investing is simply buying when things are that favorable and buying only the things that have that uh, that that edge. And I have to throw in the Bible verses here that I think speak to that, Sean. Leviticus nineteen twenty-six. Do not eat anything with blood. Do not practice divination or fortune telling. Isaiah 40, 47 verse 13. You are worn out with all your consultations. So let the astrologers and stargazers, the monthly horoscope makers come forward now and save you from the things which will come upon you. All right. So, <laughs> Absolutely. All right. All right, Sean. So risk management, anything else you want to leave us with today? I will get well, to you know, how to get in touch with you in a minute. Just anything to wrap up this whole concept? Yeah, like some, sometimes people want to add money to different uh, positions that they have as well. And another way that you can feel confident in adding money to positions, let's say like you bought a stock at 30 and now it's down to 20, but you still like the company and you want to buy more of it. Um, the way that you assess which companies to put more money into and which ones to put less into or go, you know, go back and look at the – 
the balance sheets of the companies, which you know anybody can access online at places like Yahoo Finance, and put in the ticker symbol. And you know the ones with the deepest pockets and the lowest amount of debt, those those stand the least risk of going under. So those are the ones that you're you're. Uh, you, you know, you have the best chance of adding money to and that company not going under. So, you know, look at the, you know, add money to the, the choicest, strongest fundamental positions in your uh, in your overall portfolio. So if you've got 10 or 20 stocks, analyze them all, see which ones look the best fundamentally, and then if those take good dips and you want to add some money after you're evenly diversified amongst all your positions, then add there. Awesome, awesome stuff. All right, Sean, uh, like I said, I mentioned your fantastic newsletter, but do you want to just share with the audience how they can get in touch with you, access that newsletter and whatever else? And, and Sean's written the options trading book that I mentioned earlier, so just go ahead and, and share with us how we can uh, connect with you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, two quick things. One is if somebody's still trying to get their personal finances in order uh, to, to get to where they can invest, um, they can get my book, The Six Keys to Financial Success, and it talks about what the Bible has to say about money. And you can just Google that, The Six Keys to Financial Success, and it'll pull it up in any ebook format, including PDF if somebody wants to print it out or view it on their computer. Um, and then for investing, uh, the, uh, the newsletter that I have is The Ultimate Wealth Report, and that's at ultimatewealthreport.com. And that's where, like Trudy was saying earlier, I give not only the buy and sell recommendations, but the thought and the reasoning behind it. And that's, that's very valuable because um, it's going to teach you the right thinking to have and how to assess uh, good, solid companies uh, on your own for whatever you do outside of our portfolio as well. And it will help you assess your own uh, investments, even in your, you know, your 401Ks and IRAs as well. So it's not just concerning the, uh, the stock picks that we have, but it teaches you a whole overall way of thinking and a way to analyze stocks that you can carry with you all, all of your life. Awesome. Sean, I just want to really thank you for once again sharing your wisdom with us. I really do appreciate you. All right, guys, once again, the easiest way to find Debt Free Wealth Rate in all our shows, download my app on your smartphone. Just type my name in. And thank you for tuning in to today's show. Let's pick up the momentum and press on for the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. Trudy Behrman here saying, I love you all. Thank you, Sean. Thank you.